0: No one.
1: Hello, Gator Nation, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. You know, at halftime, I kind of got
0: after the guys a little bit about, you know, I mean, our our attention to detail and our level of focus and the exactness of playing to to our standard every single play. And so, um, you know, I think our guys did. Our guys came out a little bit harder in the second half and our coaches obviously did a great job of making some adjustments for them.
1: That was UF coach Dan Mullen discussing his message to his players at halftime of the UT Martin game. After he basically read them the riot act, they came out and had a much better second half performance and finished with a 45 to nothing win. What's up Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. First and foremost, we want to start this podcast sending out our thoughts and prayers to Neron Ball's family and friends. Really sad to see the news today of the former Gators linebacker passing away. He had been in a fight for his life in recent weeks. A lot of fans, former players, and alumni had raised money on social media for his medical care. Just everyone devastated to see this happen to such a great guy. I covered Neron as a recruit and a player. One of the nicest guys you can meet. Always had a smile on his face and was in good spirits. And our thoughts are with him and his family right now. On today's show, we're going to discuss Dan Mullen's fiery halftime speech that he gave to his players. In the second segment, we'll discuss Kadarius Tony's shoulder injury and where the Gators go from here. And in the last segment, we'll do the same for C.J. Henderson and how the defense can deal with his absence until he returns from his ankle injury. But let's kick things off with my feature in the Lake City Reporter this week on Mullen's halftime speech to the team. Now, if you didn't see me promoted on Twitter, I led the story with the scene on the field coming out of the locker room after half. Now, if you guys were there and in the stands... You might have noticed that something was different with the football team. Usually when the Gators come out for the third quarter, they run out of the tunnel and they go straight to their sideline and get ready for the second half. But that didn't happen on Saturday. All the players walked out of the tunnel, came out on the field, and stretched in the end zone like they were doing pre-game warm-ups. And this was not because guys were cramping or dehydrated. This is because Dan Mullen was furious with their first half performance. Just how mad was he when he was coming off the field after the second quarter to go into the locker room, he dropped an F-bomb live on air during his radio interview with UF sideline reporter Tay Casey. That's how pissed he was. He didn't like that the offense was getting pushed around, not able to finish drives and execute the way that he wanted. So after his interview with Casey Mullen comes in, tells his assistants to go into the coach's locker room because he wants to go in and address the team by himself. And his message to them is, at least the clean version, was that they were not playing up to the Gators standard. And against a team like UT Martin, they were able to get away with it. But the opponents on their schedule, especially in SEC play, will beat them if they play the way that they did against the Skyhawks. Mullen did not mince words with these guys, and talking to the players after the game, they received his message loud and clear. And when he got done addressing them, he told the team, when we go back out there, we're starting a new game. And that's exactly what they did. That's the reason the players were in the end zone, stretching like it was about to be kickoff. Now, what was Mullen upset about? Well, on the Gators' opening drive, they took it all the way into the red zone, had third and one, and then they couldn't convert because Kyle Pitts slipped. They settle for the field goal. On their next possession, they get a turnover on downs. Felipe Franks gets stuffed on a fourth and two quarterback keeper. UF bounces back from that with two consecutive touchdown drives, but then at the end, they failed to move the ball and getting field goal range before the half. And the final play is Felipe's Hail Mary attempt. Franks and the other offensive players said that they left points on the field, and that was one of the things that had Mullins so irate going into the locker room. Now coming out of the locker room after he dressed down his team, the Gators played to their standards. They scored touchdowns on the first three drives of the second half and four of their first five. And after just 64 yards in the first quarter, they finished with 543 for the game. And have the type of execution and level of play that Mullen and this staff expect and demand from them. Particularly when they're playing a lesser opponent like UT Martin. Because if they come out and don't start the game strong in their SEC contest, maybe they'll get away with it at Kentucky. Maybe they'll get away with it against Tennessee. But if you want to have homecoming against Auburn or go on the road against LSU and play in that fashion, it is going to cost you. And that was the point that Mullen was trying to drive home to the players. And I stumbled upon this speech that he gave to them at halftime when I asked Mullen about that first drive and how they bounced back from the missed opportunity in the red zone. And here's what he had to say.
0: I don't know that it was a super friendly halftime, to be honest with you. Uh, so, <laughs> it's good to see us come out and play harder in the second half. You know, as the game went on, I mean, you, you look, I guess, if you look statistically, I mean, a pretty solid night for us. You know, I think it was just... Uh, frustrating. That first half went fast. We weren't getting a lot of plays. We didn't get a lot of possessions. And, you know, we, we end up making a mistake and end up with a, a field goal in the first possession. We, you know, we, we miss a block and don't convert a fourth down on another possession. And then we
1: kind of run out of time at the end of the half. And here were comments from Florida wide receivers Tyree Cleveland and Van Jefferson about Mullen's speech to them at halftime.
2: I'll say, out the halftime, you know, after the coach Mullen gave us a, a talk. <laughs> uh, we, got, we, got, we got things rolling we, we got to be better at and executing, and, you know, finish drives, and we got to score in the red zone. So we just got to continue to work hard and uh, keep punching it in the red zone. So next week we're going to correct our mistakes and try to come out more stronger than we did this game.
0: Coach Mullen kind of said that uh, his halftime wasn't necessarily very friendly. What was his message to you guys?
2: Uh, man, just come out there, you know, and just, you know, don't get comfortable. You know, uh, you know, we're playing UT Martin. I mean, not, not knocking them or anything like that, but, you know, uh, you know, he wanted us to see you execute better and uh, just see us play better. So I uh, he came in there, he gave us a good talk, and uh, we came out second half and responded.
1: So if you're a Florida fan, you have to like the response there from these guys. And the fact that Mullen tried to nip this in the butt early in the year, if you remember, it was their second game last season where they lost to Kentucky at home. And that loss to the Wildcats not only ended a 31-game losing streak, but served as a wake-up call to these players about where they were really at as a team. And I think Mullen's halftime speech also serves as a wake-up call for the second game of this year, but it was what they needed to hear before they go to Lexington this weekend. When we come back from this first break, we'll start discussing the injuries to Kadarius Tony and C.J. Henderson and how UF can deal with them being out. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team, every day. Everyone loves the comfort of their own home, but there's nothing like going to a game and being a fan in the stands. And whether you're looking for seats on the 50-yard line or front-row tickets to see your favorite band in person, Vivid Seats is here to help you. Vivid Seats is the top source for purchasing event tickets in the online marketplace. You can search for seats by section, row, and price, all in the Vivid Seats app. The in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards, allows you to purchase tickets to any concert, game, or show and earn credit towards your next live event. Visit the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Do that and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From sporting events to theater shows, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the Vivid Seats app and become part of their loyalty program today. Welcome back into the show. demo and said on Monday that Kadarius Tony will be out for a couple weeks with a shoulder injury while C.J. Henderson is doubtful for the Kentucky game with a minor ankle sprain. Really tough for Florida to lose both of those guys, but the good news is they're going to have a chance to get them back. And it's good to hear that diagnosis on Tony because the initial fear with his shoulder injury was that he would be out for a little bit longer. So if the Gators can get him back after a couple weeks, that'll be huge. And obviously you hate this for Kadarius Tony. This was really supposed to be his breakout year. We saw what he could do last season in Dan Mullen's offense. But in 2019, wearing number one, his role was supposed to expand in that Percy position. You were going to see him get a lot more touches and make the type of plays that he did against Miami. As a former quarterback in high school, it's been a process for Tony to learn the receiver position and take some time to develop under Billy Gonzalez. But he had finally reached that point in his career where he was ready to take that next step. So this is a bit of a setback for him because it looked like he was really coming into his own. Fans have been waiting to see him go from two to three touches a game to seven to eight touches a game and maybe even more. And now those catches and carries are going to have to go to somebody else. Now before we bring you some comments from Dan Mullen and the players on Jacob Copeland, who a lot of people anticipate taking over for Tony, I would advise to just pump the brakes a little bit on that for a couple reasons. First of all, everyone is just talking about him filling in at that slot position. And while he certainly has the ability to do that and run some of the plays that were designed for Tony, it's also important to note that he is listed on the depth chart and lines up outside as the backup to Van Jefferson. Now he can certainly move inside and run some plays from the slot, But the Gators have been working him and repping him as an outside receiver as well. So he's not just going to totally abandon that because they need him in the slot. And while he will be used there, he's not Florida's only option. If you look on the depth chart, I mentioned Freddie Swain yesterday, who's made a bunch of big plays in Dan Mullen's offense, as has Josh Hammond. Both of those guys are listed as the starters. Both of those guys are listed as the co-starters at the slot position. And they're going to have just as many opportunities as Copeland to get the plays that were supposed to go to Tony. Now there's certainly some aspects of executing those said plays that Copeland can maybe do better. But there are also things that those guys do better than him. And they're veteran receivers who have a lot more experience. So it's not like Florida only has a redshirt freshman that they can rely on to fill this void left by Tony. And I don't think that you want to have that pressure put on Copeland. He's going to be able to come in the game. He'll have his number called. And Dan Mullen is going to put him in position to succeed. And that's another point that I want to make about this. Because a lot of fans this week have talked about, can Jacob Copeland take over the Tony role? The Tony position. And it's so funny because just a year ago, it was, can Tony do the Percy position? Can he play the Percy role? And now a lot of people are calling it the Tony role. It's not just the Percy position or the Tony position or even the Copeland position. That is a role within Dan Mullen's offense. There's certain receivers he has who possess the skill set for that spot. But they're all not carbon copies of each other. Tony doesn't have the same makeup that Harvin does. And Copeland doesn't have the same makeup that Tony does. Each of these guys have their own strengths. And Mullen is going to play to that when Copeland is in the game. Instead of trying to have him be like Kadarius Tony or be like Percy Harvin. He's going to be like Jacob Copeland. And if he can go out there and make plays like he did on Saturday... He's going to be just fine. Here's what Mullen, Felipe, Franks, and some of the receivers had to say about Jacob Copeland and the opportunity he has to step up with Tony out.
3: With Tony out, uh, Copeland, will he get more touches? Did you like what you saw to him the other night?
0: I thought he did well. We'll see, you know, as it goes. I mean, like, I mean, if you look, all our wideouts, we like to spread the ball around, you know, I mean, one of the great things you see is the the balance that we have at that position. I, you know, we had a bunch of those guys get a lot of different touches and catches. So, um, you know but i think he is you know he did a good job when he got the ball in his hand and and uh, you know i was pleased with that and he'll continue to grow he's a physical guy uh, has size you know and he has that 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 ability where he's a little bit multiple he's still learning how to be an every down receiver uh, but a lot like Kadarius in that way, that you can do different things, put the ball in his hands, and and he can make things happen. Uh, a little different style than Kadarius, so I mean, it would be you know, it's not like hey, we're just going to plug him in with, with what things Kadarius maybe was doing, but uh, you know, there's some things that that he he does pretty well if you put the ball in his hands, um, you know. But all those guys are, you know, what I mean, and you have that with. Uh, Freddie Swain, you know I mean he's a, he's a great kick returner punt returner and you put the ball in his hands, you're going to get something a little different same with, with Josh or Van Jefferson. So um, you know just have some have some tweaks on those things of who's doing what.
2: I just you know he just continually tries to work on you know learning the playbook, getting things down Pat and everybody has his back and is encouraging him so it's, it's very encouraging to see you know him go out there and get his rep and, and go out there and kind of shine. Uh, it just kind of just shows how his hard work's been paying off. Uh, I was very impressed. I mean, Jacob Copeland. I mean, I thought he had a great game today. I uh, got his first college touchdown. Uh, I was running on the field, man, trying to run on the field, but Coach Savage was holding me back. So, uh, but uh, it was great to see Copeland there. It's crazy. You know, he, he always talk about it. Hey, man, dang, how, how I feel to score in the swamp. So he <laughs> scored. He He, scored, he scored in the swamp tonight, and uh, I'm very proud of him because he worked hard. You know, he, he faced a lot of adversity with injuries, but he kept going, kept, kept striving for greatness, and. And they paid off. He stashed you that, huh? He stashed you that. How's it feel to score in a song? He asked. He ask us yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, he asked it all the time. But, um, What'd you tell him? I tell him it's, 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 it's like a, it's no, it's no other feeling. Like I can't really describe. It's just it's a, it's a great moment. Just um, celebrate with your teammates, celebrate
1: with the fans. So, is that why y'all celebrate with him so big? Because maybe y'all knew how much it meant to him. He was yeah, asking it, you all the
2: time. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a big thing for him just. To, in order to get in the end zone, like he been, he been waiting a long time. You know, he was hurt his freshman year, so coming back this year, he got a little injury, but he kept pushing, kept working hard, going to treatment. And just to see it in the summer and fall camp, like everything pay off, I'm uh, yeah. very proud of him. You know, that speed is one thing that's big with Cope. Uh, you saw you know, it on the little jet sweep. Uh, just little plays like that, you know, those are little things that he can take to the house and, you know, that you kind of wouldn't think from him just because we haven't really used him that much. We've always used like KT. So I think the biggest thing where, you know, KT being out, we'll be able to, you know, get him through the swing of things and use him in a lot of different ways that we probably haven't used him before.
1: When we come back from this break, we'll discuss what Ford is gonna do on the defensive side of the ball to replace CJ Henderson until he gets back from his ankle injury. You're listening to Locked On Gators, your team every day. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. What's up, Florida fans? In the final segment, we're going to discuss how the Gators can handle CJ Henderson being out, who will start at corner in his place, and how that might shake up their secondary rotation. Defensive coordinator Todd Grantham met with the media and discussed Henderson's injury and how it affects his unit. And I think the biggest thing of note is that Grantham said that they are going to rely on their freshman corners. They're going to give Chester Kimbrough and Jaden Hill and Kyer Elam an opportunity to get into the game, be in the rotation, and contribute at corner. We discussed yesterday how huge it was for those guys to get their feet wet against UT Martin. All three made plays in that game and showed some readiness as true freshmen. Now a guy who was forced into playing time last year as a true freshman was Trey Dean. It was Marco Wilson, not C.J. Henderson, who went down with an injury in Florida's second game of the year, was out when the Wildcats were able to upset Florida in the Swamp, and the Gators had to go the whole year without Marco Wilson at corner. So Grantham and players in the secondary have had to adjust with starters being out before. And the one fortunate thing for Florida is that Kentucky doesn't have quarterback Terry Wilson to make them pay the way that he did in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium last year. He was injured this past Saturday and is out for the season. We'll hear from Grantham and the players later this week about how that impacts their game plan. But this does make life a little bit easier on Grantham and his secondary. Kentucky's backup quarterback is not going to be able to put the pressure on them in the passive game that Wilson would have. That allows you to give Elam or Hill a shot at corner and see what they can do in your first SEC game. If UF was going up against a veteran quarterback and was going to be able to pick the DBs apart, there would be a likely scenario where you would see Dean move from his star spot at nickel back to the corner position where he played as a true freshman if the Gators were really having trouble with someone's passing attack. And that move would put Amari Burney as the starter at nickel. And then your secondary would be Wilson, Dean, Burney, and your two safeties. But again, I think that that's a worst case scenario. And Florida only goes to that lineup if they're getting killed in the passing game. I don't think that Kentucky is going to be able to hurt them like that. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to hurt them like that. And I don't think Towson is going to be able to hurt them like that. So what these next three games potentially do is give you the opportunity to get your freshman corners a ton of experience that maybe they wouldn't have got had C.J. Henderson been healthy. Those three would have been in the rotation and played on special teams, but they would not have been in a situation where they were playing 40, 50 plays a game, which is what could happen on Saturday. But judging by what we saw from the freshman group against the Skyhawks, I really think those guys will be able to handle this for the time being. All those guys show that they can make plays on the ball and make tackles, which is critical for the corner position. If Florida was facing Joe Burrow at LSU next week or Georgia's Jake Fromm, you'd probably see Dean at corner and Bernie at the star. And who knows, maybe you'll see some situations against Kentucky and Tennessee where that's the case. But I think in an ideal scenario for Grantham, he would have those three corners be able to handle the load, keep Dean in the nickel, and let their secondary run like that. Here's what Grantham had to say about it on Tuesday.
3: How do you decide who
1: fills in for CJ?
3: Um, Well, you know, we're still working, seeing what happens with him. But, you know, if that happens, we'll play all three of those guys and uh, see what happens.
1: Would you be more likely to... Stick a freshman in there, or move Trey over and
3: have. Trey's played corner before, and there's nothing that says we couldn't do that. But um, I thought the corners played well in the game, and you know that's why we recruited them to be here. So we'll continue to develop them.
1: In a situation where Trey does slide over the corner, would Bernie be the guy to step in? To yeah, throw? Bernie can play nickel. Yeah. Kimbrough, you, you
3: mentioned mm-hmm. Hill and, uh, yeah, Kim- Hill and Kim- Kimbrough. Kimbrough did a good job. I mean, um, he he didn't have the maybe the plays that they had. I thought he had a solid job. Um, he could have made a couple plays uh, that he was close on. So hopefully when those things come up next time he'll be able to make a play. But he's played well in camp and done a good job. So I mean he'll he'll be a part of what we're doing. He had a
0: nice tackle early on to start. He the he, did first down. he did a good job. He
3: did a good job and um I don't remember
0: anything
3: else. right. I mean it wasn't there wasn't anything that really stood out to to where it was like a you know, a pass breakup or an interception or something like that. But I, I thought all three of those guys showed improvement. From practice to the game, and uh, did a good job. Has he
0: surprised you? Who's that? Kimbrel. I mean, the guy is. He's pretty slight, looking. he is.
3: He's he's really he's he's really quick. He's got good movement skills. Um, He plays physical, and um, you know all of that stuff allows him to compete and make plays on balls.
0: CJ Henderson, I think, be doubtful this week, but he's got a minor ankle sprain. Just as a skilled athlete, sometimes that that's a little trickier. But hopefully, he'll be back pretty quick. I know, uh, talking to him, he wants to play this week, but we're uh, we're going to see how it goes. We're not going to put him out there unless he's he's a hundred percent healthy.
3: Dan, how did the three freshman corners play the other night, and wh- where's your confidence level with them right now?
0: Pretty good. I thought they did good. You know, I mean, Kyer had a great interception. Uh, Jaden Hill made a you know a touchdown-saving tackle coming off the backside, coming off his man. Uh, you know, Chester's got got some experience out there on the field. You know, I mean, one of the things that that we talked about it was getting them all in the game very early, not just say, hey, we'll get a lead and put them in. They started, I think, right in the second series, we started rolling those guys through. So. Um, You know, I think they they gained that knowledge and that, that experience of being out there on the field and playing with the one defense, and so that is going to help
1: them moving forward. That'll do it for this edition of Locked on Gators. On today's show, we discuss Mullen's fiery halftime speech to the team, who will step up with Kadarius Toney out, and who the Gators will rep at cornerback until C.J. Henderson returns. On tomorrow's show, we'll look at Felipe Franks' history with Kentucky, the Gators lost to U.K. in the Swamp last year, and how the players are motivated by it this season. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.